So um, we're going to start off looking at how we are reformed. All right. So far, we've been, we see ourselves being reformed through introspection and meditation. We see ourselves being reformed through uh, joyful surrender, which was week one, right? And now we're going to see how another tool that is used to help reform us, and that is inspiration. But to start us off, I wanted to look at the difference between inspiration and motivation. You may think they're synonymous, but they are not. They're actually very different. And sometimes what you need is inspiration, but all you're finding is motivation, right? And so we're going to look at how we can shift from just being motivated to being inspired. Amen? And you'll find the benefits of inspiration biblically far outweigh motivation. Okay? Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's look at the meanings, all right? Uh, to the meaning of inspiration. Inspiration is defined as an act of influencing people mentally and emotionally to do something creative. All right? The act of influencing people mentally and emotionally to do something creative. All right? Now, off the top, this sounds like God, the creator. Right? Motivation, however, is defined, and it refers to a process of stimulating someone to act in a definite way to achieve a goal, okay? Motivation is the process of stimulating someone to act in a very definite way to achieve a goal. So motivation involves influencing people mentally and emotionally, and it's the word influence, right? And motivation uses the word stimulate, okay? or influence and stimulate are two different verbs, right? To influence is to allow, there's no definitive step because I'm influencing you, right? But stimulating is pushing you to go this way, right? Do you see that? Very direct, a direct goal, a direct outcome. Inspiration is more, come on, right? Um, the inspiration for an artist, right? The inspiration for a song, uh, the inspiration for a poem, the inspiration to get your degree, the inspiration, you know, someone can inspire you to do that, yes? Uh, so those are all inspirations, yeah? All right, now, uh, some other things that they're different in. Motivation is a driving force, and inspiration is a pulling force. Mm -hmm. Motivation pushes you, like drives you, right? Inspiration pulls you towards something. I know, right? Already you're like, ooh, scriptures. <laughs> Just running them in my head, right? Um, in the business world, uh, motivation is great for driving your team, right? But in areas of ingenuity and creativity, you need someone to be pulled in to a certain mindset, a certain uh, environment, so that creativity can come, yes? So 
the, 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 the force behind each one is different. Motivation pushes, 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 pushes. All right, and inspiration, come on, come on, come on, come on. You get it? Okay. Uh, they're different in how they are sensed. All right, motivation has a sense of resistance. I have to push you against something. There's something blocking, something impeding, some type of friction, right? So motivation drives and pushes against, whereas inspiration does what? It gives you excitement and effortlessness. When you are inspired to do something, you have excitement, right? When you're inspired, you're just kind of like, well, I think I'll just do this, you know? And it's just effortless in inspiration. Motivation is not the same. Motivation says, push, get past it. You can do it. Go. Don't stop. Uh-huh. Inspiration says, come on. Now, what do you think you should do next? I think I should twirl. Let's twirl, baby, you know? Inspiration says there's no resistance. It's effortless. It's coming right from, from a deeper place inside of me, and I just love doing it, right? Inspiration off the top has so much more positive attributes than motivation. Motivation tells you there's definitely some resistance, all right? There's an enemy. There's an adversary. You understand? That's motivation, okay? Um, the lifespan of them is different. Motivation is short-lived. Inspiration is everlasting. Now that's biblical, that's secular, that's just a fact, right? Motivation is always short-lived. I am motivated to drive the speed limit because I don't want another ticket. And that is short-lived because before you know it, you're doing what? Speeding again, right? I am motivated from this bad doctor's report to do this, that, and the other, and that is going to be short-lived. Do you understand what I'm saying? That motivation is going to wear off, right? So the time span of motivation to inspiration is short, okay? Motivation is very short. But when you are inspired, it's like having a, a, a fountain of living water that you just constantly pull from, a spark or an ember that is constantly glowing that you could always set it on fire, right? Inspiration is everlasting. Motivation is short-lived. Okay? All righty. Um, how they feel. All right? In motivation, you are compelled. Sometimes obligated. It's like, oh, I just have to. Right? Inspiration, you're propelled. Right? I can't wait to. I want to. When is it my turn? Is it me next? How, how can I? Let's go. Right? That's inspiration. Motivation is, oh, no matter what, I have to, against all odds, you know. So you're compelled in motivation, and in inspiration, you are propelled, all right? Those are good to know about how they feel to you, all right? Sometimes people feel like, I feel like I'm boxed in. Yes, because you're being compelled. You're being motivated by a particular problem to act in a very specific and direct manner. You feel like you're boxing me in. Yes, I am. I am motivating you <laughs> in a very specific way to do a specific action. All right? And you will feel compelled, closed in, right? Compressed, right? Propelling, you're like, I want to go, go, run. I'm free, I'm flying, you know? And it's just a completely different feeling. The sky's the limits, it's so wonderful. Completely different, yes? Okay. The source motivation is always external. I know you're thinking, I'm self-motivated. No, you are not. Yourself can identify the motivation, but your motivation is external. Yes? 
you're motivated because you don't want to get kicked out. You are motivated because you ain't got no money. You are motivated because you are embarrassed. You are motivated because you are tired. You are motivated because I don't want the outcome. Hello, somebody. You're motivated because I'm tired of living like this. These are all not self-motivated. They're not in internal. They're external. But you can internally identify and define the motivation. That does not make it that it originated from in you. Okay? Are you, are you, are you clearing up some stuff? And how you been looking at things? Okay, good. All right. Um, for inspiration, it is internal. Inspiration has nothing to do with any outside factors. It is something that you feel on the inside. It is self-generated. It is internally generated. It resides in you. When you are inspired, no one can take that away from you. No situation, hello, somebody. No problem, nobody else's opinion, hello, somebody. You know, when I'm thoroughly inspired, you've seen the results, okay? I don't care what nobody said, we're doing this, right? And that's it, it's, it's done. That came from inside, not out there. I didn't go, well, oh, I think the people might like, that's short-lived. When it comes from in here, I don't care whether you like it or not, this is what we're doing, and God blesses it, right? Inspiration is internal. Motivation is external, okay? Motivation is a push factor. It's an outside force that is compelling you to take action, even if you don't necessarily want to. Inspiration, on the other hand, is more of a pull or driving force. It's pulling you in. It's something that comes from within that gets us to proactively give it our best effort, right? Okay, now, they're different in how you take action. Motivation gives you the impulse to be deliberate about what you're doing. I'm motivated. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. I'm going to do my prayer. I'm going to do my devotion. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I'm gonna, that's, it's very deliberate. So motivation leads you to impulses that are deliberate. So it has a good thing, right? Motivation, I am going to run today, you know, and it is very deliberate because you're motivated, and it pushes you in a specific direction, so that means that you want to do something deliberate. Inspiration is not. Inspiration gives you the impulse of being spontaneous, right? Inspiration says, I don't know, I just felt like I should just, uh, I don't know, I just felt like God wanted me to, I just felt like I just needed to go and do this. And, and it's not, you know, you haven't got it all figured out yet, you know? It wasn't really clear cut. But something on the inside said, this is just really, uh, I'm inspired. And you don't know when you're going to start. You didn't have a plan, you know. It's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. You know, nothing bothers me more than somebody says, what you about to do next? Shut up. I don't even know. I don't know what I'm about to do next. No, nah, you always got a plan. Look, you so organized. Okay, but I am also inspired. <laughs> I live an inspirational life. You don't know it because by the time I start moving, I start lining it up very beaverish, right? I lined it up all nice and neat, but it was originally very spontaneous in its arrival, right? <laughs> I don't know. My, the only reason I'm a pastor is spontaneous. I didn't go from the beginning and go, I can't wait to be a pastor. I know God called me to be a pastor. I never even thought about it. Never even crossed my mind. I didn't run from it. It's just never anything I thought about. I just did whatever they asked me to do. You want to do that? Sure. You want to do that? Sure. And some of you are trying to stop that because somebody else abused it. And now you can't be inspired. Hello? Oh, y'all don't want to help me here. You've lost your inspiration because you're trying to be safe. 
and scared money don't make money. You had a you had a gym. You were you were you were free. You just trusted God. You you did whatever. I just think this is right. Let's just go for it. And then you you fell. You scraped your knees. Somebody pushed you. And over time, you became more reserved. Hello, somebody. You need motivation and not inspiration. And over time, you just started losing it. Hello, somebody. And you like I don't know what it is. I lost, but I definitely lost something. Anybody been there? Anybody there? I'm, I'm missing something. I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I know something is missing. Could it be inspiration? And all you know how to grab for is motivation. So you go back to your pocket of all the things that motivated you, right? Well, let me get a boyfriend. Well, let me get a girlfriend. Well let, me, well, let me go ahead and sign up for the class just in case. You know, let me just do this. And you try to reach out to those things that have motivated you to do what you needed to do in the past, and they're not working. Because what you need is not motivation. You need to be inspired. Amen? Amen, amen. Y'all get this good. It's getting good, ain't it? I can see how you look. You look like, mm, I think I do need some inspiration. <laughs> okay, the reason for motivation is self-imposed, societal. All right, there's self-imposed or societal expectations, obligations, peer pressure, that pushes us to do something. That is motivation. Obligation is not bad. It's just not always favorable, okay? It doesn't feel good. But obligation is, is it helps the world to go around, okay? Like you're obligated to wash your hands before you cook my dinner. That keeps us, that's, I didn't really touch nothing dirty. Mm -mm -mm. Be obligated. <laughs> Be very much so obligated, <laughs> right? Obligation, uh, uh, so motivation is self-imposed or societal expectations. Well, society doesn't like it. Society isn't good with it. Uh, that's motivation, yes? Um, it's peer pressure. Well, everybody was doing it. I mean, I'm not a people follower, but I ain't want to look crazy, so, right? right? That's motivation. Again, these have good and bad traits, yes? They have their place. We're not trying to find whether motivation is bad. We just need to know that it has a place and it's different than inspiration, okay? Because I know what y'all are doing, y'all trying to black and white me right now. So motivation's bad. No, it's not, it's not what we're saying at all, okay? We're first identifying the difference, and then we're gonna learn when you need one versus the other, amen? Okay, okay, okay. All right, inspiration, um, according to uh, psychologists and entrepreneurs, they all have the same uh, definition. The reason for inspiration is a natural calling. I said, these people ain't even Christian, right? The reason for inspiration is a natural calling which comes from deep inside of us. So our reason for motivation are external factors, people, things, ourselves, things that we have to impose upon ourselves. It's not good, as I'm not a good Christian if I do this, I'm not a good that if I do that. This is all motivation, right? But it's external. Inspiration is internal, and it comes from a natural calling. That means it is from within you, right? What happens to believers is that we lose our inspiration because something happened that started to play with our identity. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how long it was. If you haven't restored your identity in that, you're still dealing with it, right? 
doesn't mean that the spark is gone. It means that you can't, you're not even focused on like making that spark really come to a raging fire. And to be honest with you, you are your happiest when your inspiration is at an all-time high. Yeah. Come on, go back to it. I mean, you might have looked like an idiot, but boy, was you a, you was a happy idiot. Weren't you happy? You was free. You was excited. You, I mean, people still talked about you, but you didn't even care back then. Now they talk about you, and it bothers you. You listen to it. You adjust. Well, they did say I need to do this. Maybe I do need to do this. You know, so that, that's not the same, right? You used to have your that spark that you would just blow into a huge fire, and you just burn off on that bad boy. You're like, yes, I love my life. I love Jesus. I don't care nothing about the state. Everything is wonderful. I don't even care. I saw what I got a flat tire. God is still good. <laughs> Now you get a flat tire. Why me, God? <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? Why are you, what are you trying to show me now? <laughs> right? You've lost a spark. You've lost your inspiration. And it's, sometimes it's reasonable. It's unavoidable. Right? Like in the loss of my mother, I know for a fact I've lost inspiration. Absolute fact. It's anticipated, and I understood it, right? But what do you do to get it back? Well, that's what we're going to talk about, right? Because inspiration is unique, and some things, life happens, and it really takes away that inspiration. It just kind of puts it down to like a tiny little coal, just little tiny little red coal just sitting there, you know? It's not dead. It's not completely quenched. Come on now, the Lord, he's good at saving stuff, okay? He's good at saving and preserving. It's not, the fire is not out. Right? It's just not, it's not a roaring flame. And you are the happiest, you are your most contented, you are most, most joyful, and most yourself when that thing is ablaze. You really are. Go back at all the seasons in your life where you, your spirit was ablaze with the Father. And how much joy you had in that. How much peace. You know, you, so you look at problems like, I don't know what God going to do, but he going to do something. And that was the end of that conversation. Right? Now, without that spark raging in a fire, it's like, is he going to do something? Is he mad at me still? Is it because I did this? Is it because I did that? Is he trying to show me this? And it's just constant, constant, constant. Right? All right. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's look at some scriptures. <clears throat> Inspiration in the Bible is synonymous with what word? <laughs> That's the same word. <laughs> but good answer. Inspiration is synonymous in the Bible with the word breath. I know. Inspiration is synonymous with the word breath. Let's go to Genesis. Come on, you already know, right? Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. This is God inspiring his creation. Yes? Respiration. What is respiration? To breathe in. Inspiration is to breathe. Okay, let me do it again. <laughs> Respiration is to breathe in. Inspiration is to breathe out. 
So when God blew the, his breath into this forming man that he created, he inspired him with his breath. And that made him a living creature. Come on, y'all don't want to help me today. Hello? Right? He breathed the breath of life into man. He inspired us. Now, this should tell you off the top, right there, if I preach nothing else. If you are not in love with God, right with God, moving in step with God, moving in the flow of God, automatically you're going to feel like you are dying. You are designed for life to have you intimately connected with God. You, have no, you, ha you will have no peace. Nothing will ever make any sense. Nothing will ever have purpose to it. Nothing will ever seem like it will always be why. It always, when you try to figure out, okay, maybe this is all that life is about. It's always going to fall a little short to what really fits on the inside. It's because what only fits to God's creation that he breathed this breath of life in is him. Living is defined as God in Genesis. And then it comes back around and is defined as Christ himself. Life is God's breath, God inspiring you. And what you've lost is God being an inspiration to you. He's no longer inspiring. He's like, yeah, whatever, everybody got stuff, everybody do stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what time I gotta be at work? Yeah, 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 let me get my life going. Yeah, yeah, misery, pain, sometimes I'm good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good stuff happened to people, bad stuff happened to people, that's life, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm doing it, can't you see I'm doing it? All right, golly, golly. Where he used to be like, wow, oh my God, look at you. You didn't even, I just thought that, look what you, I just said that to myself. Oh my God, wow. You got your degrees and all. Life happened to you. You think you got smart. You got wise of the things of the world. All the while, you're dying, dying, dying. I mean, you know a lot, but you ain't living. You've experienced a lot, but it has not fed life into you. It's done the opposite. Oh, amen. Wait a minute. <laughs> so God breathed the breath. God's breath into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Job 32, 7 through 8. I said one of Job's companions starts off, let days speak and many years teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the almighty, that makes him understand. One of Job's friends in the midst of Job's trials and tribulations is trying to say he's kind of, you know, hitting him a little bit. He's saying, I would say that the older people should know you should let them speak because they're wise, but in this case, no. <laughs> he says, because it's not years that do it. It's the understanding that God gives to your spirit, which is that breath. So understanding comes from the inspiration of God, and that's where you get wisdom, not how many years you lived. I know a lot of old fools, right? You've experienced a lot, but did the breath of God 
Did the inspiration of God give you understanding or did the world give you understanding? Hello? Did you look at it when he said, well, I felt like this would be good. I, oh, my Lord, that was so sovereign. Wow. Nope, that's not what happened. You said, well, I think technically what happened is because they said that sometimes you need to burn them sages and then you need to, like, cleanse yourself of the bad energies and, like, low vibrations and that's it. Nope, 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 not going to do it. It's not going to work. It's really not. It's not going to fit, right? It's going to be a little, little off every time, yeah? So it says, uh, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the almighty, all right? So our spirit is his breath. When we come to Christ, we are, uh, our spirit man is made alive because we were dead and now we're alive. Uh, in essence, when, <laughs> when Adam and Eve fell, Death entered because that was the part of man that died. The spirit, right, is being breathed out. It's being respired, right? I don't know if that's a word. Yeah, all right. It's, you're breathing it out, but ain't nothing coming in. Hello? And in order to live, it has to come in. It just can't go out. I'm preaching better, y'all acting. In order to live, you have to be inspired by God consistently and persistently. If not, you're going to feel like you are suffocating under the weight of life, under the weight of your job, under the weight of obligations, under the weight of other people. That is what happens. People come to church so they could be inspired and sometimes motivated. Right? Go to Job 33, verse 4. Next chapter over says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the, of the Almighty gives me life. Job spends a lot of time talking about the breath of God and the Spirit. He does it again in chapter 34, in verses 14 and 15. He says, If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit, and his breath, all flesh shall perish, perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. That was 34, that was Job 33, Job 32, Job 34, right? Job, why is Job spending so much time about breath and life? Because when you are suffering, when you are under immense pain, you naturally think of life and breathing and death. There's nothing to shy away from, all right? The, the most important is you seek wisdom in these conversations. Don't be talking to your idiot friends. You know, talk to somebody who's actually got some understanding, right? Yeah. All right, but it's gonna happen. And Job is under so much pain and suffering. He's lost his entire family, all right? All his kids, his wife, he's losing his health. He lost his house, all right? All he's thinking is death, breath of God. The only reason I'm still here is because you keep putting air in my lungs. Stop it. This is miserable. I'm miserable. You know? And he's experiencing, I'm miserable. And his friend is like, listen, man, the breath of God is your life. And this latter verse in chapter 34, he says, and if God decided to gather all of his breaths back, everybody would perish. But he allows you to over time, right? Just exhale. You keep exhaling. Keep it. I think I think I need, I think, I think my breath is getting shorter. I think I think I need some some help. I need some I need some inspiration. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Right? 
ultimately, that's the plan. But if you want to live, then he has to breathe in you. He has to inspire you again. And in most cases, for the believers that have already accepted Christ, he's got to blow on that flame because when you blow on a flame, what happens? <laughs> right? So you still need inspiration from the Father. Amen? Amen? So what have we seen in the Old Testament? That the breath of God is inspiration into man, and it is what causes our spirit to be alive when it was once dead in sin. All right? It's the breath of God that does that. Now, Old Testament believers did not necessarily have that advantage because they did not have Christ. So they understood that they are breathing and exhaling. And that's why the Old Testament was so surrounded by the achievements of land, hello, property, promises, hello, somebody, because these are motivations. So the entire Old Testament dealt with he will, he will defend you against your enemy. He, he will, you will conquer the land. You will have a place to live. He will, he will heal you of this. And it was all temporary things. Hello, somebody, that were designed to motivate you until inspiration. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. Until inspiration came through Christ Jesus. Right? So what did we just, what did we just figure out in that quick two seconds right there? Right? The law motivates, but it cannot inspire. Hello? That's why Paul says Christ did what the law could not do. The law couldn't change you on the inside, but it could motivate you. And every Sabbath that they had to offer a sacrifice and every altar and every dove and every lamb and every sin offering and every guilt offering and every generous offering was all forms of what? Motivation compelling them to turn towards the father compelling them to repent compelling them to stay in the flock compelling them to be obedient but motivation is short term and it does not transform they were waiting on the promise i wonder if we could have something that that rather than just externally we had to do it to kind of be motivated, you know, uh, thou shalt not, not, not you can go to hell, you know, that's, that's motivation, you know, I don't want to go to hell, thus I'm not going to do this, you know, you know, I don't want God to be mad at me, thus I'm not going to do this, that's all motivation, even though it's good motivation, it's still motivation, right, yeah. I wonder if there's a way that I didn't need motivation, but it, it could just feel right on, on my insides, I wonder if there's a way where, where you didn't, I didn't have to be compelled to do right, but it could, just, it could just be a part of me, like from the inside of me. I wonder if there's a way where I could just kind of know what it is and, and you ain't got to tell me the law, but it could just be working on the inside. It could just teach me from the inside, like, yeah, this is good. That's why Christ came, that he might give you life. He could breathe in you again give you his spirit, waking your spirit back up so that you can now have this running thing on just being inspired. Anytime you want to be inspired. You know what? I feel really low. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I need something I can just tap into. Right? Because I'm tired of falling short when the motivation ends. Because there's always going to be a gap from one motivation to the next motivation. 
And where are you? Without the spirit of the Lord, you're falling. Because you, you, you fell in between the one last motivation to the next. That little gap. You're down. Waiting on the next one. Waiting on the next sermon to be preached. Waiting on the next crisis or tragedy to humble you. Waiting on the next blessing to get you out of this situation that you could praise the Lord finally. You're constantly moving from one motivation and waiting on the next. And that is not the way Christ intended you to live. That's why you're tired. That's why you don't like it. That's why it doesn't make any sense to you. This is silly. It's constantly up and down, up and down. But what if you could just constantly have breath? Like a person that is not necessarily going up and down with the waves, but walking right on the surface of the water. What if the Father could inspire you in such a way that you are not phased by the tempest and the storm and the waves that would drown you and lift you and drown you and lift you. But you said, no matter what the storm, I see my father. This, this is what he intended. That's why he walked on water. That's why he told Peter to come. I want not just me. I want this for you. I want this for you. And Satan will deceive you and make you addicted to phases of motivation and not learn the discipline that it takes to be inspired. I used to tell people, some, I used to get some of, the, some of the people that came from the Christian cult. Uh, one of the biggest things that I had to, uh, those that worked closely with me to wean them off of was their addiction to drama. They didn't even know it, it didn't happen. They went this when they chose, but the constant anxieties within that environment, the constant new things, new challenges, new problems made them addicted to drama. They needed a, the next thing to push them. They needed the next tragedy to push them. They needed the next problem to push them. The next I'm chucked to push them. You know, that's what they used to say. They need the next, okay, we're going to do this thing, this new thing with God, and we're going to do this other new thing. And when, when Sister Gabrielle is a great example, when she came to me, she said, so what are we going to do? Nothing. You're going to go to church. I'm going to do that every day, every week. And you're going to go to work? Go to work. Like a regular job? Yeah, you're going to go to work. Well, I feel like God called me. Mm -mm, he didn't call you. He just called you go to work, get a job. <laughs> So I can give it to, all to the church. No, no, we don't want all your money. Maybe 10, 15 percent, whatever you feel comfortable with. But we'll, we'll, that's, that's yours. Whatever you do with it is up to you. But if I give it all, then no, no, no. See, see, now you're addicted to drama. You're trying to do extra because you're waiting on your next hit. Hello, somebody. They ain't the only ones. You got a problem with procrastination? That's you. If you have a problem with procrastination, you're that too. You need a hit in order to do, to really get in there what you need to get in there. I need to be on the line at the very minute, at the very second. Oh, oh, now I'm really going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're the same way. You became addicted to motivations, and you will not use the discipline it takes to be inspired. I don't, I'm trying to pass to my babies. I don't know about the rest of these people, but I'm trying to give stuff to my babies. Inspiration requires patience. You know, or to say, I'm waiting on inspiration. 
Inspiration, true inspiration does not show up instantly, but you wait for it. You look for it because you know its value. So people that can get a quick fix of motivation don't want to wait for inspiration, right? With the passing of my mother, of course I lost my inspiration. That spark. I mean, you probably noticed, maybe you didn't. I don't know how well you know me, but I preached. But on the inside, it was... Ugh. Right? Ugh. I knew the truth. I used to feel it, but I don't feel it now. Right? The discipline of waiting on the Father is a discipline that says, by faith, I know that joy has to come at some point. I can't see it. I don't think it's possible, but your word says it, and you've never lied. So now I have to use a discipline of waiting for my morning. Right? And when it happens, slowly here and there, but I believe it's going to be a day. It's going to be whoosh, that fire. I'm like, oh, finally. Whew. Thank you. Right? In the meantime, you're watching me be patient, be consistent. Be persistent, be hopeful, be faithful under much duress, under much emotional pain, under much frustration. The rest of the world keeps going, and I'm still waiting. What are you waiting? I'm waiting on my inspiration. I am waiting on the Father to inspire me, right? To waken that part of me back up. What part? The part where I was in awe of God. Because I got weighed down by the tragedies. You know, we had funeral after funeral, after funeral after funeral, sadness after sadness, drama after drama, problems after problems. And I know God is good, but man, I'm sure I'm exhaling a lot. And to be inspired requires faith and patience. You can't rush, rush inspiration can't right it has to come from a deep place within and sometimes the pain is so loud that you're not deep enough yet you're gonna have to wait for that pain to subside because it's too loud right and you wait patiently you wait patiently and true inspiration will come amen, amen. come on and bless the name of the Lord Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. You already know it. Right? All scripture is breathed out, some versions say inspired by God. Proper translations say all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's say in the Garden of Eden, the story goes, they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, death came, right? God, in an attempt to allow them to have inspiration, brought his word. Gave them the law. He breathed his breath of life into his word. 
So now you got death and you all you you're just exhaling. That's all you doing. You're dying a slow death. But I'll give you my word and I'll put my breath and my life into my word. Right? So as I breathe out, inspire into the word, right? It does not come into you. It went into the word. But the word will motivate you. Look at 2 Timothy. Look at it, look at it again. Right? For all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Is that external motivation? For reproof. Is that external? For correction. Is that external? For training. Is that in righteousness? Is that external? So all of these things are without. So these are forms of motivation. So I will breathe out into my word since I can't put it in you because you sinned. But I'll put life into my word. And my word will motivate you. And then my word will become flesh. And he dwelt among us. Come, y'all don't want to help me today. Them, it's, right, it's right here in the Bible the whole time. The whole time. The word motivates, but it does not inspire. The spirit of God has to inspire. Come on now. You can know the word up here all you want. You know scripture like nobody's business. You read it. You know it. But it is not affecting you on the inside. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the breath, is the inspiration that you need. The word only motivates. So that means I have to read my Bible? No, you got to read your Bible. Because motivation leads to inspiration. If you don't have any motivation, what's he going to breathe in? Now, look at, the, look at the setup again of the Old Testament. They, they slaughtered animals as a form of motivation and external obligation, right? So that they might have the presence of God amongst them, right? Motivation led to God in them, amongst them. Inspiration. If you don't read your Bible, you do not have an environment for inspiration to set in. Come on, somebody. You could, you could praise God all you want. You could celebrate all you want. But at some point, you're going to have to have word that is pushing out and challenging some of the other stuff you done took in and, and challenging some of your old ideas and, and challenging some of your new ideas. The word says, ah, ah, that don't go here. So that my spirit might dwell. Right? And why do we want your spirit to do it? Because you need inspiration. Because life is hard. Right? It's hard. And I can't make life easy, but I can make you stronger by the spirit of God. Right? I can't change life. Life's going to be hard. But it could feel easy to a strong person. I can, the Bible says, what did we just say? That you might be equipped, man of God. For every good work. He says complete and equipped. Right? So I'm going to give, I'm going to inspire, put my breath into my word. You read that. It's going to motivate you to do some things. To stop doing this, stop doing that, put that down. Go, don't go over there. Don't do that. That ain't right. It's going to motivate all kinds of stuff. Right? And in this process of motivation, you're going to start clearing out space for my spirit to really start, come on, to indwell on the inside, to, to have full reign. The Bible says that the, that, the, that the body of Christ might be fully developed on inside of us. They might stretch out big on the inside. 
You need the word because it is his inspiration. It's where his breath went. And so you can take it all in, baby. But when the spirit of God comes in, he starts using that same motivation. It's like, that's why you told me not to do that. That's why you told me not to do that. Because what did we just read? That now understanding comes from the spirit of the Lord. Not knowledge up here. Not, not your theology. Not your hermeneutics. Right? It comes from the spirit. And your spirit talks to the Holy Spirit. And that word comes alive. Now you're having understanding. You're like, I'm going through, but I, I, I see God's hand, man. I know what God is doing. Man, I, I see what he's challenging me to do. I, I, I see what he's working on on the inside. And even though it's hard, I, I kind of feel I'm kind of excited because I can really feel it. I mean, it's the hardest thing I ever had to do, but I can really see, you know, that God is doing something. Where did that come from? That's his spirit breathing. Now, look, now don't you sound inspired. You sound like a real Christian. A real one. Oh, man, I heard what's going on in your life. Man, that's terrible, man. It is. But, you know, God is good, man. I know he's going to have something. He's going to do something. God is good. He's going to work out at work. You, when I hear people say that, I'm like, oh, you got breath. I'm not even worried about you. I'm not. You've got life. I'm just checking up on you to make sure that you know that I love you. But I'm not hardly worried about you. Casey does this all the time. I'm like, he fine. Oh, he, he got good life. He life. He living. Oh, he alive. He, he very much so alive. I just check on him so you know, hey, 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 I'm here, okay? I see you, all right? I see what you're going through. You, know, you, ain't nothing. you don't even need me to do nothing. You was. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. You better breathe through it. That's what I'm talking about. You better breathe through it. I get so hyped when I see y'all do that because now you're being a real Christian. You're being authentic. You're going through a struggle, but you're going through it in such a way that everybody has to go. That has to be the spirit of God. And we get to bear witness to it. And it's an encouragement to me. It's an encouragement to somebody else. And you're like, I ain't doing it. I'm just, I'm just breathing. <laughs> um, because inspiration is effortless. True inspiration is effortless. Motivation requires effort. When my mom passed, and Jewel was like, we were, when you, she was dealing with her death of her father, and, you know, my mom came up, and, are you mad at God? Nah. It was too late. I was already inspired. I was like, no, nah, I see God. He's doing the best he can to try to make me happy. I see him. He's doing everything he can. He don't want me to feel this pain, but he knew I would. He knew it was necessary. It's a part of this plan. It's a part of all of this. And I see him. He's just being so sweet. I mean, for weeks, I would tell her, God, I just feel him just trying to be sweet, just trying to encourage me. It's not really working, but I just appreciate that he's trying. That is when I knew I had been inspired. It didn't make the pain go away, but I knew I could see him. I knew I could see him, and I saw every little thing he did and still does to this day. Just say, I know it's hard. I love you, Boopa. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. It doesn't lift it, but you can breathe like a woman in birth. Just breathe through the pain. Inhale, exhale. It's a real thing. That's why you're enjoying your meditations and introspections. Hello? Because you have to breathe in truth. You have to be inspired. You have to slow down for a second and really understand what God is trying to show you. Your spirit has to make a diligent search, and this is bringing breath back into your life. 
Something that simple. Amen? All right, before we go. I want us to look at Psalms. We've got two scriptures we want to look at, but I want us to look at Psalms. Psalms chapter 51. I know, that's a tough one. David wrote this song after he'd have messed up with Bathsheba. Stole another man's wife while he was at war for the king. That's some low-down stuff. You fighting in my army, and I'm going to steal your wife. Flirted with his wife, slept with his wife, had a baby with this woman, and then sent letters to have her husband killed. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he wrote Psalms 51 after a prophet came to him and said, I know what you did. You know, no, you real high up. Ain't nobody, you know, you make a decree, sending some stuff, you know, sweep that over there, shift that over there. And the prophet come and be like, you stole that man one little you lamb. Despicable. <laughs> you just got found out. The guilt, the shame. Because when somebody sees it, you already felt bad, but when somebody else sees it, you are really slapped in the face with how gross that was. Because now you have to see it from their eyes. The whole time you just saw it from your eyes. Hello? And you could, you could vary that. Because from your eyes, just a little bit of, well, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't. It was only because from your eyes, it was, oh, I just, I just didn't even know. I mean, from, you know, because when I was a kid, la, 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 la. from your eyes, it's a whole story. Whole, whole, it's a whole history behind this. Yeah. When somebody tells you and finds out what you did, you instantly have to deal with everything coming from their eyes, and they don't care nothing about your backstory. No. So this. They make you feel real bad. Because <laughs> you're like, it's not like that. I mean, it is a little bit, but not. But see, when you really consider all this stuff, and then when you got. Man, man, whatever, man. It is what it is. It is what it is. So David wrote this song from that place. Now you want to read it? Verse one, he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin, it's always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Yes, I know everybody else think I did bad, but the truth is, you're the only view that matters. And you know I did wrong. And you have to call it wrong because you are just. I, I can't even appease to you saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. I can't even appease. You, you can't say, oh, it's all right. You can't make my wrong good because then you won't be just. Mm -hmm. 
And I get it. But you can be merciful, he says. You can be merciful. You can be merciful. I'm appealing to your mercies. You ain't got to make it right. I know it's foul. But I need your mercy. Right? Verse 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inward part you will make me to know wisdom. Like, I was born ratchet. Everybody in my family was messed up. That's what he said. Right? Always. We've always been that group. And you, you want people to be right on the inside. Ain't none of us right in my family on the inside. That's, that's what he's trying to say. Right? We all been messed up. All a little sketchy. All a little something, something, something. You know, whatever your family's predicaments are. I know mine. <laughs> okay? Do you know yours? Right? <laughs> that ain't me. Mm-hmm. He says, and when the messed up part about it is you desire that we operate in truth and our insides. But in my family, we're good at being deceptive. We're good at finessing. We're good at covering it up. We're good at giving the sob story. We're good at we're good at wordplay. We're good. We're I come. I, I was born with this ability, this terrible, horrible ability to sin and to sin too well. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. My, my genetics, man. I look at other people. They can't even come up with a conniving plan like me. Me, I got it in 2.5 seconds. Done. Help me. Help me. Some people, they can't even formulate a real good comeback. Me, I got it before you even start. Help me. Help me. You can't make it right, but you can be merciful. I, I, ain't even, I ain't even start off with a good start, for real. And you're God, and you need stuff to be clean on the inside. And I'm looking deep down. It is It's kind of mucky in here, right? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yes. He says, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. It's a, it's a prayer of hope right there. Like I think... If I really let you down on the inside of this ickiness, that you might take my understanding and my experiences and use them for righteousness. Because wisdom takes what you understand and what you've experienced, and it puts it rightly to be used by God. Right? You understand some things about your personality. You've experienced some things in life. But wisdom says now God's going to take them to, put them together the right way, and now it's going to be motivation. Yes? Okay, 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 okay. Verse 7 says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Right? Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Did you hear that, verse 8? Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Whoa. David recognizes, um, I was wandering like a little wandering sheep. And I know it's you that broke my legs. Touche. As you should. The whole bottom fell out. Touche. None of my plans actually worked. Touche. <laughs> you slowed me down. 
You brought me to a hard stop. Right? Touche. I get it. I get it. All right. You broke my bones, right? He says, but I need you to make me hear joy and gladness. This is probably the most truest point that anybody has ever prayed. I messed up. You put, you slammed me down, hard stop on everything. I feel nothing but pain, shame, rightfully so, and I can't even muster up any kind of joy. I need you to make me hear joy and gladness again. That's some real praying. Let's just cut this in. You can't be happy. And you shouldn't be happy. Look at this mess. But you can ask the Father to let you hear joy again. Because if I'm going to sit in this, I want to sit in this with some, some gladness of heart. I want to sit in this being able to go into with the saints and really praise the Father. I know my situation can't be changed right now. I get that. But I want to hear joy and gladness again. Because now all I hear is sorrow and pain and darkness. And I'm tired of that. And I can't move it. I can't change it. You broke my bones. I need you to make me hear it. That's a real prayer. Hello, somebody. David got real with us. Because the only people that can get real is people that really messed up. Verse 10 says, create in me. This is the one we know very well. A what? A clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. What he's trying to say is the breath of life you gave me, it's only motivational. It, it does not have any steadfastness. I go for a minute, pff, go for a minute, pff, go for a minute. Pff, this needs to stop. Make my spirit man steadfast. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Stop right there. David recognizes the condition of my soul. It's not just my sin. It's what my sin and iniquity has brought my insides to. And I've tried the dancers, I've tried the more concubines, I tried to spin it away, shop it away, I tried to talk it away. But at the end of the day, none of this is working. I've had people sing songs and play the harp, and I am miserable. So he says, I need you. I need you to make me glad about being saved again. And that prayer is so real. Because at that moment, God is not offering salvation. The baby dies. He's not coming and fixing it. And David's saying, I know you're not coming to fix it. But I want to be excited about what it meant to be saved when I was saved. There were times that you did save me. There were times that you did fix it. There were times where you fought battles for me. There were times where you rescued me. There were times where you delivered me. There were times where you led me by your own hand and nobody else. There were times where you saved me, and I need you to make me happy about that again. Because real talk, you ain't doing nothing that right now. And it's like that sometimes. But what David is waiting on is inspiration. He said, I need inspiration. 
you're not fixing it. You're not changing it. I could tell you got me walking through this. Anybody ever seen that? It's like, I pray. What? I said I was sorry. I repented at everything. I cried at the altar. I met with the pastor. Why are we still going through this? So you're going to make me live it like just like this. Yup. And that will rob you of the joy of what it meant to be saved. And David is saying, I need you to let me hear gladness again. I need you to let me feel the joy of what it really felt like to be saved. Like you over here all rusty and crusty as a believer, scabbed up from life's problems, and then some sweet new Christian show up. Oh, isn't the Lord wonderful? I mean, I don't know what God is doing, but isn't he amazing? I just trust him with my whole heart. You over there like, just wait, okay? I was there once. Just wait. Uh, so y'all didn't see yourself until I said that. Oh, okay. And so he's saying, that thing, that joy that that new believer that new person that joined Renew, that new excitement that they have. I'm all crusty, uh, whatever, Pastor. She gonna, one day she's going to snipe at you too. La, 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 la. You know, I'm all over it, right? And you look at them and go, no, God, I need that. You've done enough for me to have that. Can you bring it back to my remembrance? Can you, can you show it to me again? Can you let me hear goodness and joy and gladness again? I ain't stupid. That's what I need right there. I need to be inspired. Sit on down, sit on down, almost done. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. He says, if you could give me my joy back, I will help other people that fall in the same mess. That's good. That's good. He, what he's really saying, if you could inspire me again, I will be motivation to somebody else. I will motivate somebody else. I will inspire somebody else. I will motivate them. If you inspire me, if you inspire me again, breathe life back into me, the joy of salvation and all those wonderful things I used to feel in the midst of this, I'm not asking you to fix it. This is deeper than you fixing my problem. This is down on my insides. I need you to deal with that. And then I could be motivation to somebody else. That's what he says. You see that there? Uh-huh. He says, um, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I really messed up. And I can't remove the guilt. And some of you don't recognize you can't remove the guilt because you think you removed it. But your bitterness, your melancholiness, your lack of spark would indicate that the guilt still remains. You can't be happy. You can't have faith. You, you can't be joyful because even though you said, I know God forgive me, it does not stop that guilt from weighing heavy over you. I mean, I know God is doing it. You know, I'm moving on. Nah, uh, 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 uh. where your joy at? You say, it ain't the guilt. It is. It's guilt. Flat out. Just because you know Jesus forgives it does not mean you feel Right? I can't believe I messed up like that. All right, just let that go. 
And the, the missing factor of your joy in a lot of cases that we mess up is the guilt. You can't lift guilt. You can't, you can't motivate yourself to get rid of guilt. Come on, self. It's going to be all right. You're going to do it. That does not work. You tried it. It falls flat in five minutes. Come on, you just got to shake it off. You just got to just get back in there. Nope, not going to work. It's going to be real short. If guilt was something you could lift, we wouldn't need a savior. You need him to lift it. And part of that lifting comes through his inspiration. And baby, that takes patience and faith. What am I believing for? That he wants to lift it. I believe you don't want me to be feeling this weight of guilt. And I know you don't want it, even though I think it's a motivational tool. If it is, it's only a short-term motivation, and I will do it again. So I need you to lift this guilt off of me. I can't do it. Pastor, how do I know if, you got, if I got guilt over me? Where is the joy of your salvation? If that is missing, you are surrounded and covered by guilt. You processed it up here, but it has not been breathed in here. Right? So what do I do? You wait with faith and patience for God to inspire you again. That's what we all have to wait on. Whether something you did wrong or wrong stuff that just happened to your life. Baby, we all got to wait for that. You're at a season of waiting for God to inspire you again. Maybe because of carelessness. Maybe it's because of nothing you could have you changed, but you still got to wait for it. Because he's not like, man, you can't finesse him, bribe him. If you don't come do it, I ain't going to believe in you no more. Okay. I mean, it's how you going to treat me and then forget I'm going to go to another religion. Okay. You can't do that with him. He's still, you're still going to be on his time. And for control freaks, Hey, for people that like to figure out an equation, well, I done did this, I did that, I did this. Fast, I done did the devotion, I done prayed, I done did this, I done did all of this. What am I supposed to do? Calm your frustrations down. Calm them down. You're going to run out of breath. That frustration, you're going to run out of breath. See, you operated on limited breath right now, right? <laughs> You better calm down. Stop doing all that moving. <sighs> calm down. But you don't know that. So you're up here panicking. Well, why God ain't doing this? And why he ain't doing it? I mean, I'm doing everything. Maybe salvation don't work. Maybe none of this work. The whole thing is just stupid. You about to pass out. You are two seconds away from passing out. I know it and you know it. And I keep looking at you going, breathe. Breathe. What am I supposed to do? Slow down. Do you hear me go? It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. <sighs> I don't know how, but it's going to be all right. And I get that real soothing pastor voice. Oh, it's going to be all right, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce your stress and anxiety, your frustrations, because you are going to spend too much breath. You're going to really fall in between your motivations worse than ever before. You don't want it, and I don't want it, and we know what's right on the line. Breathe. Just wait for him. What's what we doing? Everything you're doing. Just keep doing that. In, out. In, out. 
Keep coming to church. Well, I've been praying. Keep praying. I must read in my Bible. Keep reading. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But you're about to pass out hyperventilating through your anger and your frustrations. Yes? Amen? Amen. That'll preach if you let it. That will be for somebody in this house if you let it. You need to, you need to write on your, on your mirror, I need to breathe. <laughs> what are you doing? I am waiting on the Lord. <sighs> I do it so often. Anybody ever suffered the loss of a loved one? That pain hits you and the breath is just, oh. And you just want to just throw everything away and just run your car into a ditch, just forget it, just <sighs> breathe. He promised. He promised there's not one pain he can't heal. Even though to me it seems impossible, but he promised. Breathe. 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 And I go back through my routine. And I live to wait another day. But do believe, when my day comes, y'all are going to know it. Verse 15, David says, Oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. He said, they be singing and I be wanting to praise them, but I can't. I just can't, ugh, can't get my body to respond to what I kind of feel on the inside. Like it's not bubbling up enough. He said, but you can just pry my lips open. I know it's a praise in there somewhere. But right now my flesh is in line and we're just, we're, we're hardened. We're tight, tight-lipped, gritting our teeth. He's like, just open them, open my mouth. And I know a praise is going to come out. Let me breathe, right? The next part says, for you do not desire sacrifice. This is the part I want us to look at. Or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Stop right there. David, what happened? We was going somewhere, and then you start talking about sacrifices. I don't really understand, and God don't delight in the sacrifice, but he told you to make them sacrifices. And now he act like he don't want them. I'm really not sure what's happening here, right? And what David's saying, he's saying, if it was as easy as just sacrificing a sheep, I would have done it. If this could be solved by just, now be honest here. If my dilemma could be solved simply by not having sex, I could do that. But I did that and I feel no different. If it could be solved by me giving this up, if it could be solved by me sacrificing this, Clearly, I would do it, but that is apparently you don't even want that because when I do do it, I feel no different. Wait, what's going on, man? I do what you saw me. What you want? Did I do? I do the thing you want me to do. I feel the same on the inside, but I'm just doing things. With, I can't explain. I'm doing what you want, but. It, <laughs> 
Anybody ever been there? He says a broken and a contrite. He says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. What? The same spirit you just gave me, now you want to break it? That's pretty sick. This is what I was thinking. When I read that scripture, for all my life, I used to read it going, the Lord wants you to be broken. Because that really, really won't. He really wants you to just be broken. I don't know, some kind of twisted thing he got about you being broken. So be broken. Be humble and broke. Just, whoa, woe is me. And my problem is, I ain't ever woe is me enough for him. I keep trying to rise up. <laughs> That's not what this scripture is trying to say. Because I'm going to show it to you. Go, go on to the next couple of verses and I'm going to come back. He says, build the walls. Where was that at? Where was that? Huh? Build the walls of Jerusalem, right? That was verse 18, end of verse 18, right? Verse 19 says, then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. What? Aha. What David is trying to explain is God does not like you just giving something up for the sake of giving something up. And you want that to solve the problem, right? I'll just do this, all right? You, you want this? Fine. I'll do that. Here. I did it. You and I both know that can't, apparently that's not what you want because I don't feel no different on the inside. But I did what you asked me to do. Yes? Maybe you don't say it as aggressive as that, but some of us do, right? I did it, and I still feel, I'm still struggling. I, my joy is still not back. I still don't have this inspiration, the spark that I'm supposed to have. And I, and, I, and, I'm re, I, and I gave it up. He said, you don't want this, do you? This ain't your thing. You must want me broken. What, he, what David is trying to say is the sacrifice, the burnt offering, reflects what is happening on your inside. If you do it on the outside and it does not reflect what is on the inside, you, he don't even like the outside. You, you know, okay, let's, let's go back to sacrifices again, okay? The children of Israel had to take a cute little lamb. Oh, he's so sweet, he's so sweet, he's perfect, he's spotless. Slice, cut, drain his blood, drip his blood everywhere, set him on fire. Oof. That's a bit aggressive. Take a cute little dove, rip his wings off, break his neck, put him on the altar. <laughs> Anybody else think this is a bit harsh? Right? Right? Like, I got you. You sure you got a love like Ali? <laughs> the sacrifices should be reflecting what you have identified that your sin has done. You gave me this beautiful garden, and I just came and just destroyed it and sinned all in it and messed it all up. This is what I did. I took something beautiful, and I just drained the life out of it, and I just set it on fire. When your heart says, I understand that, now you offer it. Now, now that's what I want. I want the motivation to lead to inspiration. Now, I don't want you to just cut, 
cutting lambs for no what, you think I'm stupid? I made it. No, that's not the point. The point was that you would see, that you could feel and uh, believe and agree with me that what the lamb died is kind of how I felt about what you did in my whole creation. And that did you, we could both agree that it was messed up. And then we could both celebrate the fact that I got a plan to restore all of it. But you just offered me the sacrifice. Huh, I gave it to you. Well, is you going to make it better or not? <laughs> and Parsi don't even think it was that bad. Parsi felt like you had no choice. Parsi felt like you was backed in the corner. Parsi felt like that's all I could do. See, none of that comes with the sacrifice. The, the true broken spirit says, I messed all of that up. It was really good what you gave me. It was going to a really good place. And I just took your beautiful thing and I just slaughtered it. And then I tried to hide it, tried to cover it up. I made a mess of stuff. And when you offer it from that place, now your external matches your internal. He says, now the walls of Jerusalem have been built back again. Come on, y'all don't want to help me. Walls do too. It keeps you in and keeps the enemy out. But you will feel compelled. You will feel restrained in walls. Hello. But now that you can feel that, I'm ready for your offering. Light it up, baby. Light it up. Oh, now, I, I, you feel me. You feel why I want it. We, we, we eye to eye. Oh, yeah, you feel me. I feel you. That's what I'm talking about. Light it up. Burn it. That's right. You going to raise us up? Thank God, because there's some gruesome stuff out here, okay? I don't really like all this blood everywhere. But can we, is you going to bring this to an end? I'm going to bring it to an end, baby. Don't you worry. Now it's a whole other meaning by it. David's saying, it ain't the sacrificing. It ain't the pain. It ain't the suffering for suffering's sake. You just don't want to see me cry. You just don't want to teach me a lesson through pain. You're trying to show me what you're feeling that we could have true intimacy. Because I cannot be inspired if you don't get inside of me. Come on, somebody. I need to feel what you feel. My heart needs to break for what your heart breaks for. I need to love what you love, hate what you hate. Because I cannot be inspired if you don't move on the inside. Right? I don't not fornicate because I don't like sex. I don't fornicate because I love him more. I mean, that feel good, but hold on now. You, you, you want to leave him. Make him mad. No. It's not, it's not going to happen. Well, he'll forgive you. Mm, he'll, I don't even want him to have to forgive me for that. I'm good. Thank you. Why? Because I have an intimate love already. No, we see eye to eye. We, so, we see so eye to eye that I could be missing a golf ball. That was in, it just so su supportive of my entire game. And I'm like, it's fine. He was like, here you go, baby. How did you know? It meant so much. That's intimacy. When you didn't even say how much it meant and you were willing to let it go, he says, it's okay. Here. Nobody even knew. You only knew. You in here. You was in here. You in here. Nobody, you knew. See, that's inspiration. Hello? And he said, oh, oh, you was in here. And then when you know that he and he be like, well, what can I do to make you happy? What you want me to do? I, I slice this lamb for you. What you want? You want this dove? You can have this dove. Slice. Whatever you want is yours. Your inspiration comes because God is love. And it is hard to have inspiration if you do not breathe in the love of God. 
You're trying to breathe in his wisdom. You try to breathe in his understanding. You try to breathe in what he wants you to do. No. What you need to be taking big, deep breaths of is God's love. Anybody ever been in love and kissed somebody before? I mean, I asked if the relationship worked. I just said, at that time, was you in love? <laughs> you know, the, the ba the ba my favorite part about kissing in love, okay, not in lust, in love, is that part right where you're breathing each other's air. Anybody remember that? Just, hopefully their breath don't stink. Because it's like, like, that's always just, like, we so close, I'm breathing your exhale. This is weird. No, you're like, don't be breathing on me. Now you're like, no, you can breathe. <laughs> no, I'm the only weird one that did that. No. I used to love sleeping in the bed with my mom and dad. And I would be right under my mom, and I could smell her breath when she breathed out. You loved it. Like, that mommy breath. I was way too big to be in the bed with them. But nevertheless. <laughs> You want to be so close to the Father that you are breathing in him, his intimacy with you. That is your inspiration. And Satan is trying to get you to go back to motivation to motivation, baby, but you are out of the law. You're out of the law. You cannot survive without loving him immensely. You can't. You're trying to dull down your love because it caused you problems. Dull down your love because you keep messing up. Dull it down because you make a lot of mistakes. Dull it down because you look crazy. You're not going to survive. Set fire on that thing. Let that thing roar. <laughs> I'll be crazy for the Lord. I don't even care. Ah! That's why David danced out of his clothes. When he was able to bring that ark back in, he was like, y'all don't even know the half. I'm about to be even more undignified than this. You can come and get it, Jesus. You know? <laughs> he did not care. He's like, I will never let my love for you die that low again. I will never let it get that low. I'm going to breathe on that thing. I don't care if I look crazy. I'm going to look crazy for you. But, and that's why I try to encourage some of you have, who have lost your spark. Go back and be radical. But you're all scared. All timid. I'm like, you ain't gonna come nowhere. You wanna go back? You gotta get out there, man. Be crazy in love. Do it. That's the only way it's gonna work. Cause scared money don't. Come on, man. All right. Last one. Go to Nehemiah. Chapter two. Do good, God. Build your walls back up in me. Lock me in. And keep everybody else out. For Jerusalem to have walls is to say, I know there's some ickiness out there. But I want to be locked behind these walls with you. No other God, just you. There's so much love in your relationship with the Father. And you cannot allow rough times in life to drown out the love that you have for God. How many people that are not married think they might want to get married one day? Okay, very off the top. Love from that person can be drowned out by all kinds of problems. It is the couple's responsibility 
to make sure that they blow on that flame on a consistent basis. Because it could be smothered right on out. Everybody decide to stop being nice. Nobody want to be kind no more, you know. And it's just, why I got to say it like that? What? Never get it, man. You know, and it's just, it's just all kinds of mess. And what, what's really happening is you're, you're just taking that flame and that fire that used to be so wonderful between you, and you're just, <laughs> right? But you want to rush to that, but you can't even get it right with a perfect God. If you cannot love a God that is perfect, all-powerful, he all-providing, Jehovah needs Jehovah Rama, Jehovah Jireh, la, 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 la. He's all of these things, and you cannot love him rightly for the most part. What makes you think you are going to be good at marriage? Because you're going to be married to someone that is imperfect, makes a ton of mistakes right? You will wake up and despise them at some point. Then what you going to do? Divorce? Well, that was fun. <laughs> the first step is to love God, right? Rightly, to receive inspiration, rightly, to have intimacy with him. Get that under your belt, right? Get that secure, right? Then say, all right, if you think I'm ready, I think I might be a little bit ready. God, I don't know. I don't know. Right? But some of y'all, I can't even, I can't receive the love of the Lord. Why are you hooking up with other people? You can't receive the love of God? God. You ain't even trying to love this person. You're not. You're trying to get. Listen, I'm not, I'm not an enemy of marriage. I want all my sheep that want to be married to get married. I need y'all to help get married and have lots of babies. Grow my church from within. I think it's wonderful, okay? Especially if I can't have no kids. Y'all need to get it happening, okay? And sometimes I don't even care if it come out of wedlock. Did you bring me some babies? Perfectly fine by me. Got more sheep. Thank you very much. Them be my blessings. Life comes from the Father, baby. That's my blessing. I don't care what you don't think or think about it. That's my blessing. Right? Ideally, I want you to get married, even if I don't. But I want you to have a healthy marriage. Not so that you can just go to death, do you part, so that you won't destroy one another. Because bad marriages break hearts. And then we're on a cycle of repairing a broke heart every couple of a year. We can't even save souls because we got to keep repairing your broken heart from a broken marriage. Right? Right? That don't make sense. So when you hear me talk about marriage and stuff, it's not because I'm against it. But I want you to be realistic about where you are with God and the necessity of his inspiration before you go off into that. Okay? All right. Amen. 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 All right. I said Nehemiah. Chapter 2, last one, and we out. Chapter 2, verse 12 is very simple. He says, then I arose in the night, 
I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. Skip down to verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. All right, those two verses reveal something off the top. God has, I said, I told no one what God had placed in my heart. That's verse 12. That's inspiration. Nehemiah was inspired and his inspiration led to the motivation of others. Right? If you want to help other people come to know Christ, you have to to be inspired. The situation with Nehemiah and Jerusalem is, 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 is kind of rocky, all right? It's a little touch and go. Jerusalem was, was, was uh, put under persecution and opposition and oppression by Babylon for sin, right? And Babylon ruled over them and the kings kept changing and they kept staying under the Babylonian empire. One king, Cyrus, was told and prophesied that he would let the children of Israel at some point go and rebuild. Then that, thing, that king showed up about 2,000 years later, and it was actually him. His name was Cyrus. He was the king, and he was like, oh, my God, that's me. Your books talked about me. This is me. I am that. You are here. Okay, y'all go. <laughs> I need no more signs. <laughs> go. Go build your temple. So all of Jerusalem, they were so excited to be free, and those that wanted to go rushed down to Jerusalem, left Babylon. We're going to rebuild the city of God. We're going to build God. We're going oh, to worship him. And they got down there, boy, they start building. They start sacrificing and offering things, and then people was talking about them, and it was kind of slowing them down a little bit, and the pressure, the heat kept coming. People kept saying, nah, y'all over here trying to rebel against the king, and they just like slowing down a little bit, and they was like, well, no, it's okay. We're going to worship a little bit more. Nah, nah, y'all ain't no good. You always been traitors. And blah, blah. We're not really trying to, we're just trying to, and all of a sudden, all of that motivation stopped. And then what made it worse is that the leaders came to find out that they had married women from other nations, the priests, and they were, that was a big no-no. It was a no-no for any Israelite, but specifically for a priest to marry some Babylonian woman. And it wasn't just a couple of them. It was a slew of them. Go back and read the book of Ezra. They end up listing every single one. You want to talk about guilt? Everybody's got a false wife, a, a, a foreign wife that they weren't supposed to have come up front. What? They said, listen, we all can't come. It's going to be too many of us. We need to come in, we need to come in sections. So we got this huge opportunity to just celebrate with God, to be reestablished in what God wants. And then if what? that everything that I've done wrong shows up. If you really want to see, see about it, the, the leaders decide to say, everybody's got these wives from these other countries, get rid of them. Get rid of them, kick them out. Send them back home. And they did. Wives and kids, gone, broken homes. Children without fathers, gone, right? 
we'd be like, oh, God's so harsh. Mm. Number one, God didn't say it, but he allowed it. Definitely. This was the idea to try to recompense. But the end result was now you got a bunch of people that really have no motivation to serve God. They're faced with their guilt, and now they're faced with the consequences of their sin. Ah, I got the guilt from my sin, and I got the consequences of my sin, and you telling me to keep serving God and keep pushing? Mm. Yeah. So when some of the people from Judah come back to where uh, Nehemiah is, he says, how's, the, how's it going in Jerusalem? They was like, not good. It's a mess. The work pretty much stopped. Everything just hit the fan. All of our mess showed up. Now everybody a little bitter, a little angry, a little resentful. Some people don't even know what to do. Other people thinking maybe I should go back home with my kids. This is too much for me. In essence, ain't nothing working. This is where Nehemiah shows up. Nehemiah hears this, and he cries out fast and prays. I want you to look at the idea that Nehemiah decided to fast and to pray. Why? Why was he fasting? Because what he felt on the inside needed to show up on the outside. Lord, this is how I feel about what I've heard. Now my sacrifice lines up with the brokenness that I feel on the inside. I'm not doing it to get something from you. I'm doing it because I feel what you feel. I feel abandoned. I feel weak. I feel left alone. I feel like something is missing and wanting. and I'm hungry for something that I don't have. I understand your pain, oh God. Because for a second, we all thought about the pain of the people. And everybody forgot how God might feel. We did it just now. You showed your tail on God for years. He sends you through an immense boot camp, correction, and discipline. You come back out and decide to bring in your discipline, you're going to sin all the more. And then want to bring all your sin over to his freedom like it's cool. See, when I, when, I tell you the host, when I tell you from God's perspective, hello somebody, when you look at it from his perspective, it's like, yeah, I'd be pretty 98 hot too. You're going to bring the person you cheated on me with up in the house that I have built for you? And you ain't even going to say nothing? Like this is normal? That's what they did. So Nehemiah, his heart was broken. Because he saw how God felt. So what God placed in his heart was inspiration. So when you see from God's perspective, yes, somebody needs to cry aloud for God. Somebody needs to say, we is messing up. We is real foul. Like, I know we, we, we down bad, ooh, we so hurt, but dang, God, we really messed you up. Man, we, man, that was messed up. I want to be right. I want to be right with you to the point where I, I don't even want to eat. Just forget it, man. Just, just, I, I want to feel what you're feeling. And that's what he offers. That's why Jesus tells the disciples, these come out by only fasting and prayer. Some battles with Satan 
You cannot wage good war because you don't have the heart of God. You don't have the heart of God. You can have a victorious battle if you could actually feel what God felt. But since you only feel you, then it's very hard for you to resist Satan. But when you feel inspired by how God feels, by how your lover feels, by the anger, his righteous indignation, now all of a sudden, you be like, Satan, you loose here. And then, I mean, you be going off then. Oh, no, you did not. Somebody that messed with the one you love? No, you did not. But y'all don't really engage Satan like God is somebody you love. You engage him only because he's stealing something from you. It's about you. It's what he's taking from you. Satan trying to steal my promises. None of them promises was yours. They were all God's. But the only reason you're really engaging now is because of what it's going to cost you. But when are you going to start engaging? Because you love him. Because you, have you ever seen somebody really nice get taken advantage of? That's your God. Don't you want to defend him? That comes with love and intimacy. Then you will see more victories. You'll see more successes because now in your little domain, you are ruling like God would rule because you have his heart. To the left, to the right, everybody go over here. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Andrews will be like, I'm, I'm on that team. Line me up. Call me. Where, where, where we going? I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. And they get sent out. They going. They love your team. Meanwhile, Susie can't get right over here. Well, I think the Lord, if he want to bless us, he should probably, we should probably get that job and then like stack that cheese right there. And then like, the, you know, like, and it's like, oh, do we have to do what they're asking us to do? <sighs> Did he say we got to do it? Uh, you have the job. Yay. But angels love fighting for God. They're warriors. They want to get in battle. But God can't trust you to command or engage because you don't have his heart. He says a prince is still under the leading of his tutors until he grows and matures, and then he could have some, some understanding to rule his father's kingdom. But you haven't even adapted the heart of God. The only way you can get that is through inspiration, standing all over the house. Woo! Yeah. Amen. Anybody need to be inspired today? Okay, the altar is open. All right, okay. Everybody running down. All right, okay. I need inspiration. I've been living from motivation to motivation. I see it now. There's been some gaps in my motivations, and I slip a little bit. Father, I need some inspiration. Come on in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. I need you to breathe life into me, love into me, breathe in joy of your salvation again. I can't lift it. Breathe in your righteousness and your mercy. Lift this guilt. Lift this shame. Let me hear joy and peace again. Let me hear laughter and let me hear it again. If you don't do it, it can't be done. Let me offer sacrifices from my heart. From my heart. Let me feel what you feel. Let me like what you like, love what you love, and hate what you hate. Teach me how to love you. You're perfect at loving me. I'm the one and I can't get it right. Teach me how to be faithful. Tear down my walls that you can rebuild them. 
Restrain me. Constrain me. Push me. Pull me. Just make me yours. <laughs>